0: Psalm 50, 5-0. The mighty God, the Lord has spoken, and he has called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down of it. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before Him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about Him. He shall call to the heavens from above, and to the earth, that He may judge His people. I'm very impressed with the next two verses here. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness for god is judge himself god's saints god's people a covenant by sacrifice yes that was true back in the time that this was written they were under the old mosaic law a special agreement between god and those who trusted him his people as we look ahead we find that is still true today there's a covenant between god and his people because of the new covenant the new testament you remember how at the last supper jesus said this is the new testament in my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sins so they were under a covenant by sacrifice we too are under a new covenant a new agreement sacrifice as well what we do is we turn from things that are wrong in our lives we turn from our unbelief we turn to that which is right we turn to faith in the living God back then it was Jehovah God today is Father Son and Holy Spirit for he has so revealed himself to us but in both cases there's that covenant that testament by sacrifice. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for the sins of the whole world. All races, all peoples, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, doesn't make a bit of difference. He died for everybody. He loves everybody. His love is extended to every one of us. Many of us I know have repented and trusted in him as our Savior we've entered into that covenant by sacrifice but isn't it interesting way way many years centuries before Christ came that it talks about this covenant by sacrifice back to Psalm 50 verse 7 listen O my people and I will speak O Israel and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not repute prove you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings to have been continually before me." So he accepts the fact that they did that back then, that they followed through on the Mosaic covenant. He's not gonna scold them because of that. So this is something that was expected and required at that point. But on the other hand, he goes on to say, <clears throat> I will take no bull out of my house, nor he goats out of my folds, because every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you because all the world is mine and the fullness of it all 1st Corinthians 10 26 sort of fortifies this 10 26 of 1st Corinthians for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof so God owns everything He doesn't really need, in that sense, their sacrifices. He's not going to scold them because they're giving the sacrifices. But later he goes on to explain what he truly wants from them. Since he owns everything, he already owns the sacrifices anyway. If he were hungry, he wouldn't need their sacrifices. But what they did, he's not going to scold them for. And so that's a wonderful thing that goes on deal with and explain here so back to Psalm 50 in fact let's stop before we get there to Psalm 69 beginning in verse 30 I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving do we do this? yes when we sing that's what we're to do I will also, this shall also please the Lord better than an ox or bull that has horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seeks God. See, that's the kind of thing God is really looking for. Is this the kind of thing that we're offering to him each day? Do we sing to him? Do we honor him? Do we obey him? show him that we truly do love him that's what is really truly pleasing to god so now as we do go back to psalm 50 notice what we find it eventually in this psalm picking up at verse 13 god says i will will i eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats offer to god thanksgiving and pay your vows to the most high You see, that's what he's really after. And call on me in the day of trouble. He invites us to pray when we have difficulties to bring it to God. He tells us we shouldn't carry the stress, the burdens ourselves. He calls us to put it all in his hands. Call on me in the day of trouble, especially when there are difficulties. Imagine many Christians in Ukraine are calling on God in these days with what's happening there call on me in the day of trouble I will deliver you and you shall glorify me that's what the result is to be we're to glorify God he delivers us, he takes care of us he loves us he's not going to leave us we sang about this too, didn't we I will deliver you and you shall glorify me when you come right down to it, what are we here for? What's the purpose of life? The Bible reveals this is what it is. It's to glorify God. It's to honor Him. It's to live for Him. It's to respect Him. It's to obey Him and spread His good news of Jesus. You should glorify me, but to the wicked, God says, What do you have to do to declare my statutes, or that you should take my covenant in your mouth, seeing that you hate instruction and throw my words behind you? When you saw a thief, then you consented with him, and you have been partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother, you slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether such a one like yourself, but I will reprove you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Those are pretty strong words against those who don't follow God, are they not? But there are many marvelous stories of people being converted from living like that to living for God. Recently I've been reading about some heroes, you might say, of the faith. It's amazing what God has done in people's lives. Perhaps you think of yourself, what he's done in your life. Perhaps you remember very remarkable situations with other people that you knew where they were really down the wrong path but then they turned around and they met God. What a change that happened in their lives. So then it ends with, again, this idea of what we should do. Verse 23. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. There's that again. And to him who orders his behavior correctly, I will show the salvation of God. What a wonderful promise that is. And what a goal it sets before us as to how we should keep our relationship with God Almighty, the one with whom a covenant of sacrifice has been made, especially as Christians, the covenant that is called the New Testament. Now having said that as a sort of overall view of this song, let's come back to this primary thought. God really owns everything. Yes, he owns all the animals. He owns, owns the whole world. He owns the galaxies. He made them and they are his. But especially, God loves and owns Christians those who have positively responded to him and who have trusted in him now let me back that up by showing you a few passages go with me if you would first of all to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 here's what it says in the last two verses What? don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you who you have from God and you do not belong to yourselves well, that's quite a statement you don't really own yourself because this is why you were bought with a price oh what was that price it was the sacrifice of Jesus wasn't it therefore it says glorify God there's that again life's purpose Glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. It's good to grasp the significance of what he's saying here. We don't really own ourselves as Christians. We belong to God Almighty. We are to be His servants. We are to obey Him. We're to live for Him. We're to trust him with our bodies and our deep inner feelings and our spirits. They belong to God. We don't own ourselves. If we don't own ourselves, it means we don't even really own how we use our time. We should do things that are pleasing to him always and thus glorify him. Also, go with me, if you would, back to 1 Corinthians, this time chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 21, 22, and 23. 1 Corinthians 3, 21. Therefore, let no man glory in men, because all things are yours. Now, that's interesting. Not only do we belong to God, but we own everything whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ is God's so there's the order but we're not left out imagine that, such a statement saying we own everything he owns us but we are entrusted aren't we, with everything with the world and Our lives and everything so God owns Christians if you have trusted in Christ God owns you well what does that mean well for one thing it means we are to dedicate daily our bodies to the Lord where does it say that in the Bible well let's go to Romans chapter 12 the first two verses Romans 12, 1 and 2, therefore I ask you, brothers, in the light of what he's previously said, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's interesting that how practical this is. Our bodies, not just our desires and our intentions and that kind of thing, but our very bodies, it says. In which we live, present these bodies, it says, to God, and that they are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, or perhaps your spiritual worship. So daily we're to present our bodies to God. Many people do this literally every day, they'll pray the beginning of the day present their bodies to God or in their hearts they decide to present and use their bodies throughout the day for the good Lord God almighty but it doesn't stop there verse 2 goes on Romans 12 2 and do not be conformed to this world this world has great power to conform people into its own image does it not Society tries to dictate to us what is right and what is wrong, but what we really learn from the Bible is true morality and the true way of living. So our guide must not be society and what other people think. It needs to be what God has revealed to us, does it not, in His Word? And He's very clearly revealed many things. So we need to study and find out what they are. So he tells us, don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed, changed, by the renewing of your mind. Mind needs to be changed and got in alignment with God's truth and God's purposes. Renewing of your mind. One of the hardest things it is for many people to do is to change their minds. (laughs) But our ninth, Minds need to be changed to parallel God's will and God's truth. Be transformed, that is a change, by renewing your mind so that you may test what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? God has said this before us. We as those who belong to God whose bodies are really his, are to present them as an act of worship, a living for him every day of our lives. Now we run into a problem here. As we know, we do not 100% all the time do what God wants us to do. Because we all have the old nature The Bible refers to it many times as simply the flesh. We still have the old nature, the sinful, fallen nature. That's a serious problem. And it's in strong competition with God reveals as being right. So there's a war going on in our bodies. And even in our depth of feelings, in our spirit. There's a fight. It's like a good dog and a bad dog. They're continually fighting each other. Bad dog being sin and that which is wrong. Good dog being the Lord, the Holy Spirit, that which is right. They're at war. Paul very strongly deals with this in Romans chapter 7. So this war that goes on within us daily. Even though we strive for total commitment, we find there's always a little something lacking even at our very best. But the wonderful thing is God can help us to have victory. Which dog wins the fight? Someone once said, it's the dog I feed the most. (laughs) How do you feed your spiritual good part? Again, reading the Bible, praying, fellowshipping with Christians, living for Christ, sharing his message, every day walking his way and presenting your body a living sacrifice these are some of the ways some of the things that will help us but specifically dealing with that which is wrong the sin in our life there's a whole lot of beautiful things that are told us in chapter six of romans and also chapter eight as i mentioned chapter seven depicts the struggle But we find what we need to do in victory in chapter 6 and chapter 8. First of all, chapter 6 of Romans, verses 12 and 13. Do not let sin, therefore, rule in your dying body, that you should obey it in its desires. Neither yield ye your members, like hands and feet and tongue and what have you, Don't yield them as members of instruments of unrighteousness to God. Instead, you're to yield, as those who are alive from the dead, you're to yield your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In other words, every day we're to yield our hands, our tongues, our feet, our bodies to God. Not to the devil, not to sin, not to give in. It tells us very specifically what we're doing and as we said in chapter 12 it says to do that to yield our bodies to God not to that which is wrong so then it goes off again in the next verse verse 13 14 rather for sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law but under grace. Sin is not to rule over us. We're not to cooperate with sin by allowing our hands to be used in a wrong way, our feet to carry us in wrong paths, our tongue to speak things that are incorrect and false. Instead, we can use these parts and our whole body to honor and glorify God. With our tongues, we can honor Him, can't we? We can sing praises we can speak in ways that are pleasing to him and edify and help other people. Also in Romans chapter eight, I'd like to point out a couple of verses, verses 13 and 14. If you live after the flesh, that is the fallen nature, you shall die. But if you through the Holy Spirit do put to death the deeds of the body, shall live. So in our fight against the flesh and the devil and the old nature, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. One of these books I recently read really emphasizes the help of the Holy Spirit. Maybe many times we as preachers and teachers and Christians do not speak enough of the Holy Spirit third person of the Godhead. He's there to help us, as we saw earlier, through the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body. And here it talks in verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 8:14. What a wonderful promise that is. What a remarkable change has happened when we become Christians. What a victory is set before us, Now, one of the things that we sometimes do figure, well, I'm a sinner, I can never achieve 100% holiness, I can never be fully without sin, as long as I still live in this old sinful body. Someday in eternity, yes, I will be free, but not here. So we may therefore conclude, well, since I really can't win the battle totally, let's just not try. The Bible, as we saw here, says, no, that's not the way to go. Don't give in to it because you can't have full victory. Take the real, true victory God offers you. He does offer us victory. So in a very practical sense, we can walk as conquerors, in fact, more than conquerors, through him who loved us, Romans 8, 37. So the point is, don't give up. Don't ever cease fighting against what's wrong, but... Hang in there. Call upon God and His power and the Holy Spirit and the revelation of God's Word. But call upon Him and yield to Him. You have something to say about it. I have something to say about it. If you, through the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, we are involved. We need to make our choice to do that very thing. Another verse that is very helpful is 2nd Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 having therefore these promises dearly beloved you can see what the promises are back in the preceding chapter let us cleanse ourselves see there's our cooperation with God let us cleanse ourselves from what? From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Carries a step further, does it not? And spirit. And what else? Perfecting holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. it tells us in Hebrews. Perfecting holiness, developing it in the fear of God. And the reverence and the fear of the Lord. So we do have wonderful promises, which I said you can look and see what they were in the preceding chapter. But since that's so, here's what we're to do. We're to cleanse ourselves, and God can help us of all bad things of the flesh and the spirit. And then we're to keep developing holiness, Christ-likeness, in fear of God, before the Lord, drawing upon His help. Now, I'm impressed very much when it talks about what true and pure religion really is. If someone were to ask you, what's it mean, in God's sight, to be truly religious? Sometimes people say, well, he or she's a religious person. And they think of that because you're honest and you go to church and whatever. What's real religion? It's defined for us in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 27, last verse. Pure religion, and undefiled, that is, with no sin, before God and the Father. Okay, here's what really it is. It's this. You know what the answer is, what he says here? Let's look pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father, here's what it is. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. In other words, to help care for the widows and the orphans. Back in that time, of course, they didn't have the government helping also. This was up to people to do as individuals. And so it's to go and encourage them and to help them with financial things, with food, clothing, and what have you. That's real religion. But it adds something else. And here's what really fits in with today's message. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Keep pure life. Be an honest person. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness and sin. But instead demonstrate and show that daily you're living for God with your hands, your feet your tongue, everything and your attitude one of the most important things again from one of these books that I was reading highlighted God's love God's love flowing through us and if we truly love and we truly forgive people then we truly return evil, good for evil What a witness that is. And so part of this matter of being unspotted from the world and sin is involved with our witness. But there is a little caution here. As you've been working on these things, and as you may come to a point of real victory in your daily life, we find we're warned in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians in verse... 12, therefore, let him who thinks he stands watch out, lest he falls. Don't get confident in the victory in your own strength. Never cease trusting God. Let him who thinks he stands, okay, now I've made it, i, I finally achieved real true victory. No, keep trusting God. Keep recognizing your Ability to fail and fall and go from God. Some of the old hymns we know, at least one I was thinking of, deals with that. We're prone, you see, to leave God, so we have to watch out lest we fall. Having said all this and keeping it all in mind, I'd like to close with what Jesus says in Luke chapter nine. These are very familiar verses, but. Many times, I suspect, my acted upon, as we should. In this passage, we find the attitude or the expression of daily. Remember Romans 12 said, daily present your bodies. Picking up on that thought, Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. And he said to all of them, If anyone wills to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, there it is, daily, and follow me. For whoever wills to save his life shall lose it, but whoever wills to lose his life for my sake, same shall save it. Take up our cross daily. Oh, what's he mean? What's a cross? How do they use a cross? Well, of course, you know the answer. It was an instrument of execution to kill you. It was like an electric chair. It was like a hangman's noose. So, what is Jesus telling us here? He's telling us we need to take up our cross. We need to die to self, day. How can we live for God if we're still selfish and doing our own thing? So he says we need to put to death this old nature and this selfishness and our own control of our own lives and give them over totally to him to the Lord Jesus Christ even above our ties to our loved family God's to be first he's to be first in our desires and the way we use our time and our lives he's to be first in our victory over sin we're to glorify, we're to honor him Hope these thoughts, springing out of Psalm 50 and going beyond, will help us, not only today and the rest of this day, but in all days that are to come. He lays it out very clearly. It's up to us to respond, is it not? Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for these truths which you have revealed to us. Thank you so much for that covenant by sacrifice. For that new covenant in the blood of Christ. We thank you that he died for us. And then he rose from the dead. And he's our Lord and God. We would commit, Lord, ourselves to you. Help us to do this. Daily, help us to present our bodies and our spirit for You to use and to work through. May we glorify You. Help us, Lord, to do this. Help us to experience true victory day by day by the power of the Word and the Spirit. Help us, Lord, for we are a needy people, but You are a great God. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And we give all honor and glory to him. Amen.